questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. And due to the fluidity of current geopolitical conditions surrounding coronavirus, COVID-19, we're taking a turn and discussing what I deem to be currently relevant. Usually I'm well prepared for each interview and have dozens of pages of notes. But during interviews like tonight's, it's an empty canvas. Why? Because tonight's special guest has had a lot of experience with the medical, pharmaceutical, and even the prison industrial complex. So his vantage point may be different for many of us in order to make sense of what is happening today. You are listening to Veritas. If this is your first time, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, join the Veritas family and click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy, MMS, CBD pure hemp oil, Divinia water, pure organic sulfur, flash drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas seasons, and other great products. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. And now, here's your host, Mel Fabregas. Tonight's special guest is food technologist, herbalist, author, Greg Caton. In 1995, Greg created Alpha Omega Labs, which became a provider of over 300 alternative health products, with 14 distributors around the world, before its closure by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration in September 2003. It successfully reopened in Ecuador in June 2008. Alpha Omega Labs is best known for Cansema, an effective cure for skin cancer, based on suppressed formulary information dating back to the 1850s. Over a 13-year period, Alpha Omega Labs was responsible for curing thousands of cancer cases. The corruption surrounding the circumstances of its closure from 2003 to 2008 is one of the topics in Meditopia. Greg was imprisoned for years, released and later extraordinarily renditioned and imprisoned again. Greg is the author of The Joys of Psychopathocracy, Why Criminality is Essential to Effective Modern Government. Greg Caton joins us from Ecuador, which is currently under martial law, and curfews begin at 2 p.m. Hello, Greg, and welcome back to Veritas. It's good to talk to you again, Mel. How are you doing? I'm doing well under the circumstances, but I am very curious to know how are things down there, first of all. Most people you talk to here would describe it as otherworldly. Uh, I get messages from people, from friends all over Ecuador, as you can imagine, and uh, they're just they're just in a complete state of shock. And even people who don't have somewhat of a, a background in this area or they don't have a good intellectual foundation really feel, if only, if only on a feeling level, just think that something is awry, like this is overkill. This is, this is killing a mouse with an elephant gun. Um, we have the highest population density of any country in South America. Uh, Ecuador is a small country. 16.6 16 16 million. 16.6, 6, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's so, and it's got like I don't know, like fifty-six people per square kilometer. So it's got the highest population density, which may be a contributor to why we have massive uh, amounts of this virus surfacing here in Ecuador. Uh, I got it myself. Got it on March fifth. Uh, used a lot of my heavy-duty tools to treat it. The worst of it was the first two days. I felt felt like someone took a blowtorch to my lungs. It was probably one of the worst experiences I've had. And then the fatigue kicked in, and that takes about two weeks to get rid of. I've got about a dozen friends who have also had it here. What I am here, what we are experiencing here as well as in the United States is kind of this, and you don't hear anybody talking about this. I'm really surprised about it. There's kind of an unspoken don't test, don't tell kind of phenomenon going on. I mean, if you know that you're living in a situation where if you go somewhere and you get tested, you get quarantined, and you're treated like a, like a leper – by pe- people around you, then, then there, there's an automatic kind of disincentivization to want to get tested. And so that's really what you're happening. Literally, of the dozen friends I've had, I have, who have had COVID-19, not a single one of them got tested. And there's another reason for that. It's not just the fact that you're a pariah and you're treated like a leper. It's the fact that the reports have surfaced, even from the people that developed this test, that the, the tests they're currently using are notoriously unreliable. The, 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 the false positives are off the scale. There's, uh, according to this Dr. Kleinhardt in, in Washington, there's like 40 different strains of it out there already. And many of these strains, you really, to really know whether you've got the virus per se, you, you kind, of, kind of need to have 40 different tests. You know, because some of the genetic mutations of this are very, very different. And that's, that also explains why you have a lot of people that get it. And they get cured, and then it comes back again. It's not that the same bug came back again. No, they have a normal human body. Their TH, their TH2 immune system kicked in. They now have the antibodies to fight the thing. But what they have the antibodies to fight is the virus they got in the first place, not some genetic mutation that's far afield from the virus they just got over. See what I'm saying? So this is going to be with us for years and years and years. There's, there's nothing new about that. I was listening to an a, a interview the other day with Dr. Martin Paul who basically says, uh, this is so bad, what, what is coming upon us. And keep in mind, this is stuff he was saying last summer. He doesn't see humanity lasting another 15 years. That's coming from a medical doctor who's really studied the electromagnetic phenomenon as it relates to Wi-Fi, 3G, 4G, 5G, and is just absolutely appalled. I knew something like this was coming really after I read Sam, Dr. Samuel Milhelm's book. He's like 88 years old now. He wrote a book called Electrification and the Diseases of Civilization, and uh, that was just related to, to all the things that, that we have to encounter just as a result of our use of 60-cycle 110 power that's in all of our homes. So imagine the effects of this. It's much worse. Um, the, all kinds of papers have surfaced about the dangers of the 60 gigahertz uh, um, frequency, and, and we're being exposed to it, and um, I don't know. It, it's... You know, on the gross, there, I mean, I, I feel that something spiritual is coming out of this. I talk about that in chapters eight and nine of my book, The Joys of Psychopathocracy. But, you know, if you just look in, the, in, in, in present tense, third dimensional, what we're dealing with now, I mean, and we're honest with each other, this looks grim. I mean, it really does look grim. And it looks grim because we're not getting any truth from any of the, the government, any organization at all. No truth whatsoever. I was listening to a report that there's a whole slew of doctors in Berlin that have figured out that there's nothing but 
medical propaganda coming out about MMS, you know, how dangerous it is to take MMS. And that's, and they're, they're curing people over there. And it just as a sex successfully as this, this, um, hydroxychloroquine, hydroxychloroquine. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and that, that's also press. So the problem we have is that the only truth you're going to get is by talking to, to ordinary citizens like yourself, sharing empirically what you know is going on, because the problem that we have is that, you, you know, Trump likes to talk about you know, fake news. We got much bigger problems than fake news, fake education, fake science, fake medical information, fake, uh, fake data. I wrote an article in January about the British Medical Journal, one of the oldest and most respected medical journals in the world, which over this whole this, this, this uh, mesh phenomenon that's going on with women actually came out and said that what we need to do is start doing scientific studies where there's no influence, not funded at all by big pharma. We need to keep big pharma out of it completely because all we're getting is fraud, which I, I told my readers because I wrote an article about it. I told my customers, I said, you understand the gravity of this? Do you Are you capable of understanding the gravity of this? This is something akin to the Pope coming out and saying that the worship of Christ has been a 2,000-year errancy, so everybody needs to start worshiping Satan immediately. And people, of course, when they hear that, they think, well, that's, that sounds like an exaggeration. It's not. You know, all these medical journals, they make their money from advertising and, the, 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 you know, they, they're uh, – they know which side of the English muffin gets the butter, okay? They're funded by Big Pharma. So to come out and say, trust Big Pharma anymore takes a, 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 you know, a good teaspoon of, of, of courage to do something like that. But that's what's actually happening because the fraud and the disinformation has reached such a fever pitch. And, uh, and it continues because, of course, it's successful. People still watch CNN, MSNBC. They worship what they hear on TV. It's even affected people down here. I mean, literally, the social distancing thing, for instance, which you hear all about now, social it's you can see it on a day-to-day basis just on the way when, when people do pass one another. It's like people are treating their neighbors, people are treating their fellow human beings around them as if that person automatically must be the virus. Every every person you meet is the your source of death. I mean, this this it's it's destroying the very fabric of anything, any semblance of what we call society. And that's the sad part. And I, because of the fact that this thing genetically mutates, particularly into the influence of 5G, and this is going to continue, um, what I worry about is people think this is a short-term phenomenon, and then all of a sudden, uh, sometime in April, uh, Trump's in, in the U.S., Trump's been talking about trying to revive everything after Easter, what is that this year? April 12th? The 12th. April yeah. 12th. Yeah. Everything will go back to normal. I'm here to tell you, things are not going to go back to normal. Well, I think that even if they don't go back to normal, even if he decides to open for commerce, I think people are still going to be exercising social distancing. I think the elderly might not be coming out. But if you continue, and I know a lot of people are going to be against me by saying this, but the amount already, already the hotlines for suicide are just incredible. And I bet you it's not just because of coronavirus, but it's the loss of income. If he continued with this of no income, no matter how many times the government says they're going to be sending checks out um, to people. Yeah, we, we, have the same, we have the same phenomenon here at every level. Um, I'll just take two kind of salient examples. Um, in a country like this, 
and, and Ecuador is no exception. You've got this around the world. We have a lot of street animals. We've got street dogs, street cats, but they have and possess their own ecosystem. They come up and beg to tourists and tourists give them a piece of whatever they have, a piece of sandwich, a piece of this, a piece of that, a piece of bread here, a, a part of a sandwich here. And so you have this kind of underbelly of society where these animals that don't have the good fortune of having a loving owner, you don't live on the street. A lot of street animals. Well, they're all starving now. There's nobody on the streets. There's no tourists. There's no commerce. All the businesses are shut down. I mean, it, it's it's a horrible thing to see. I mean, I'm already seeing animals walking around, and you can see their ribs, and the, it, it it it's it's uh it's awful. Uh, speaking closer to our own species, you've got people here, particularly all these Venezuelans that came down here. They they thought they were escaping Socialism. starvation by yeah. getting right. They thought they because um, I don't have a particular well. I don't have a particular. I, I try not to have an opinion about something where I don't feel I have all the facts. I think one of your human rights should be to not have an opinion about something where you don't feel informed. I'm not informed in Venezuela. I've never been there. I've never been to Caracas. I've lived in, you know, uh, except for the two years where after I was kidnapped and brought back to the states, I've actually lived in Ecuador continuously since 2007, except for that 21 month interlude. And I can tell you that I, I haven't been there, so I don't have an opinion. But from the people that I know. And I know a lot of them. I know a lot of Venezuelans. The, the horror stories they tell about life in Venezuela, it's, it's, it's hard to believe, except that you hear it kind of homogeneously from so many of them. You know it's true. There's, you can't have all that many people telling the same story and half of them crying when they do tell the story. It's, it's a very – I can tell you the situation in Venezuela is very sad, and you've had all of them attempting to immigrate, uh, the majority of them to uh, Colombia, Ecuador, Peru – some of them get as far south as Bolivia and Chile, Chile, but they're trying to get out. And so we have them here. Well, guess what? They're, many of them are now asking, what the hell did I do? I escaped. I went and jumped out of the fire into the frying pan. I left Venezuela, and now I come here, and there's, there, there's no job. You know, they're, they're suffering too. So we, we've got huge, huge problems that have associated with this, and uh, it's, it's unbelievable. They've got the, the military out as if uh, – as if some foreign power was attacking Guayaquil, our most populated city. Let's, Police let's, everywhere. Let's dissect this for a moment. Ecuador, 16.6 million people, population. Yeah. Cases, confirmed COVID-19 cases, 1,173. 28 deaths. 28 deaths, and we have martial law. That seems overkill to me. Well, yeah, that's what this. Uh, I hope I'm saying his name. Is it Klinghart? Klinghart. Klinghart. Yes. About. Right. Yes, that's what he's talking about. He says, "Here's the thing that that I, doesn't make sense to me." We first caught on to the first cases of Lyme disease in 1975. Okay, that's 45 years ago, and they finally uh, are starting out to get the gene to crack the genome of, of of Lyme's disease. They won't do that with Morgellons because the official party line that the medical community has is if you have more gallons, then it's because you're a crackpot. You need to go see a psychiatrist because it's a disease that doesn't exist. Never mind that in Los Angeles, you've got a fairly well-known former rock star named Joni Mitchell who lives in Malibu, who's been who's has the more gallons disease and complained about it for years. doesn't matter. We're supposed to believe the medical authorities. If you say you have more gallons, it's because you need psychiatric help. Well, he what, what Klinghardt is saying is, you know, it takes years to crack and understand the genome of a certain organism, 
And here, this thing comes out, and within two weeks, the Chinese government not only cracks the genome, but has it published in scientific journals. There's no way that would happen unless this thing was pre-designed. They knew exactly what they were looking at. They knew everything about this virus before it ever came out. That's the only way that they could have cracked the genome on this thing and and (laughs) got the information on it. And that's what a lot of people are sensing. There's too much – there's too much of there's too much deliberateness in all of this. You know, back in the day, uh, your your the, the, your your famous uh, political commentator and a person that the people on the left love to hate, Alex Jones, likes to say that his first awakening came when he read Alan's uh, "None Dare Call It Conspiracy." Well, in the first chapter of that book, he says the first thing you have to do in your life is determine is there you have to either side with the accidental theory of history or the deliberate theory of history and. You know, it's events like this that make you realize there's there's nothing out of this whole phenomenon that sounds accidental. This whole thing sounds staged. Everything about the the SARS-CoV-2 virus and COVID-19 phenomena, the whole thing has the smell of choreography. Let's let's dissect this for a moment so that people can understand. Because every time I mention this, people look at me as with a deer in the headlights kind of look as if nobody's there. I don't know if it's cognitive dissonance. And believe me, folks, I'm not I'm not saying that this is not contagious. It might be contagious because we have it, yes. But this could be overkill. And here's why I'm saying this. By in the year the 2018 to 2019 flu season, according to the World Health Organization, approximately 646 thousand people died around the world of the regular flu. Right now, what do we have for this event? We have 460,250 confirmed cases and 20,857 deaths worldwide. My question, I keep asking and nobody's answering the question, why didn't they declare a pandemic last year, the year before, and the year before, and so on and so forth? Why? Well, that's what's puzzling a lot of people because uh, there, there, there's there's nothing about this that makes sense. There's the the, the overkill factors is is just out of this world. The best course of action would have follows. Okay, treat this as any other flu. Uh, I was reading an article the other day. Just understand that coronavirus is the new world is the new word. The new word in English for the common cold is coronavirus. And you know, I, people are going to think that's exaggeration, but in many ways, it's not. When you look at the epidemiological statistics, the best way this could have been handled, if this wasn't about some kind of uh, dark-handed agenda, some kind of dark hand behind the scenes with a private agenda. The best way this could have been handled was to have people have an awareness of it and then let people live their lives. Certain people get it and then focus on treatment as opposed to prevention and let it take its course and try to build herd immunity. That's what's happened with every pandemic previously to this. You've got the situation where you know there has to be an immunity that is built to it. And by the way, you made an earlier statement and believe me, I understand that um, – you have many factors to consider in terms of how you present your opinion. I mean, you have to, I think in many, many ways you have to be more careful than I do. Okay. I, I'm, I kind of side with Dr. Thomas Cohen. I, I do not believe at all that this is contagious. I really don't. I think this is endemic. I think it's the, I think that if, if I can use the vernacular for a moment, I think that what happens is you're subjected to these frequencies, the same, and we have the same phenomenon as when they first started using radio in the fall of 1917 and that produced the Spanish, right. um, Spanish flu. 
the, the, this influenza of 1918, and then they started using radar in 1958. So we have a pandemic, and they started with the early warning system massively affecting electromagnetics in 1968. So what did we have? We had the the, the famous Hong Kong pandemic of 1968. Look, right. uh, I I I think that. I believe that Arthur Furstenberg makes a very compelling argument in his book, The Invisible Landscape. I think that uh, Dr. Rainbow? Thomas Cohen – Huh? Pardon? Didn't, it wasn't the title something about a rainbow? Arthur Furstenberg? The Invisible, the, the Invisible Rainbow. I, what right. did I say? Anyway, yeah, The Invisible Rainbow. Okay, so I, I think that that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, it made sense to me in light of the fact that I was already previously familiar with the work of Dr. Samuel uh, Milhelm. I, 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 t- it, it totally makes sense to me. We are um, electromagnetic creatures. There, every, everything that goes on in our body, everything that goes on neurologically, muscularly, everything involves uh, electromagnetic transactions, if you will. And you, you can't interfere with that without somehow affecting the health of the individual and 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 there's a severity there's a price to pay when you have to make changes this is very apparent in the book by french biologist rene dubois in his book man adapting um and we don't appreciate the fact that we don't appreciate what it means to have biological equilibrium and what happens when we start screwing with that equilibrium is are there prices to pay yes in this case there is the price to pay as a pandemic. And, and like I say, this is predicted by Dr. Martin Paul last summer. I mean, he didn't go into the, the fine menu today. I don't think he, he, he wasn't, he, you know, he, he never claimed to be Nostradamus, but he was able to give us enough indications to know that this was going to happen very soon. Sure enough, sure enough, six months later after he's, after he's out there doing, giving his lectures on this, this happens. No, I mean, we know what's behind this. And so let's get, let's get to the issue of contagion because that's what I was originally talking about. I think, again, I'm going to use the vernacular. I think what happens is you this this really is toxic on the cellular level, and so the cell has to reorganize itself and put out these uh, reorganizes DNA because this is what this does. It reorganizes your DNA. It's highly uh, mutative, and in a sense, I know I hope people aren't too grossed out by this. Your cell is vomiting, and the result of that vomiting are these little entities that they call viruses. You didn't get it from your you didn't get it from your neighbor. You didn't get it because you went over to visit grandma and she's got the virus. You didn't get it because you were walking down the street and this thing was airborne and you caught it from some stranger. You are producing the virus. The virus is being produced by you. It's a toxic reaction, an endemic, an uh, endosomatic uh, uh, reaction, if you will, inside the body because something is going on that on the cellular level your bodies find highly toxic and it's going to continue to be toxic until the body can figure out a way to adapt to a new electromagnetic melu. And until it does, you're going to have either, uh, you're either going to be sick or you're going to have uh, a diminished, you're, you're, not going to, you're not going to feel your best, if I could just speak loosely. And that's what's actually happening. Uh, I'm going to tell you why I had that. I had this, nobody around me has gotten, and by the way, I've shared notes with lots of my friends, same thing. I got this. And nobody around me, including my wife, has got this. And this is something that I would have had to have uh, been developing, if you will, sometime in mid-February. And then the worst of it hit me on the night of Thursday, April 5th. That night and the night that followed, March 6th, I, I couldn't sleep. It was just absolutely ho- – what I felt and what was horrible. I could and only by the way, use you, like the- you live in the countryside, far away from the city. So were you mm-hmm. in contact with anybody who had been suspected of having, having this at all? 
No, 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 I wasn't. I, I mean, I, I live in a, in a kind of sequest compared to anybody that, you know, I live a sequestered life. So how in the hell did I get this thing? Well, I know how I got it. I do. I know how I got it. And I didn't get it. Didn't catch it from somebody. I got this because of the effects of 5g. And I knew my, I would have predicted that I would have gotten this before anybody I know anyways, because I'm a hypersensitive. It's uh, I've written about this. I wrote about this in my book, uh, the gospel of 2012, according to Hiawaska, a book I, book I wrote in 2012, of course, book I wrote eight years ago. I just, I'm, I'm very, very sensitive. Um, other people I know that have gotten this also are very sensitive to chemtrails. They just have, they just have a, some of us just have very sensitive neurophysiologies, if you will. And we do. And it makes us, uh, makes us more likely to catch something if there's dramatic changes in the environment but particularly dramatic changes in our electromagnetic melu. And that's what actually happens, why I got this. But nobody around me has got this. Nobody around me is using, uh, uh, is wearing these Halloween masks. I'm sorry, that's what they are. These these stupid things that this is going to prevent you from getting this. Wearing a Halloween mask is not going to prevent you from getting this, okay? So nobody around me is wearing that. Nobody around has got the gloves on and this and that. People are just living their normal lives because at least where I am down here, most people have figured out, this thing is too fishy for words. It's just too fishy. And the official narrative on this, they, they've really outdone themselves. And that's, that's another reason. I knew something like this was coming. It's one of the reasons I wrote The Joys of Psychopathocracy. I wanted people to understand the foundation of why it is that in order for government to operate in a normal way, it, it, it has to – government requires false narratives. One of the things that it becomes the death of government – is honesty. And I don't want people here that they go, what? what are you saying? It doesn't make any sense. But when you actually study, when you actually, uh, you know, just listen to my presentation, it takes me 200 pages to make my point. Then you understand that, that, that there are creatures in this world that live by reciprocity as does mother nature. And there are entities that are strictly parasitic and live by the word I created was negaprosity, a kind of contraction of negaprosity. It's not about us living in a world where we share with each other, uh, I help you, you help me, uh, where the, a world where we create ecosystems that are run by reciprocity. Government is, is by its very nature parasitic. It's not capable for government not to be parasitic. And this has to do with understanding certain inherent elements of its structure it's a structural thing and the you know i i think we may have talked about this in a previous interview i used the example of a spoon and very in the book where you know it's, it's like if you look at what a spoon is you can right away well tell why it was designed a spoon was designed to eat either food or medicine and it's something that you put into your mouth that's what a spoon is used for and if you actually study the structure of what government is you realize the government number government is inherently parasitic government lives on keeping its people completely in the dark about what it's really doing and it's basically a form of legalized thievery you know the government makes it easier for the bank robber to go in and ask for the money and neither the customers nor the bank teller nor the bank bank and say boo it's like hello how are you okay we'll go into the vault right now we'll get you a million dollars in cash and have a nice day that's basically the, the the purpose of function of government and it's been going on for six thousand years 
or 4,000 years. So uh, unless people understand that, that's why this phenomenon is possible because people are acting. You know what this whole, you know what this coronavirus more than anything else reminds me of? It reminds me of WW, whatever it is, the, the professional wrestling, you know, professional. And oh, if you look at these shows, you know, anybody who knows anything about this racket knows it's all pre-staged. It's all pre-scripted. The guys that are inside the ring, they're not athletes. They're actors. There's a script the, the 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 winner is known beforehand, but these people go into the arena, and or these people are in the audience, and they're behaving. They're rooting for their famous their their favorite wrestler. They're they're rooting, they're cheering on their favorite wrestler, and they're behaving as if they have absolutely no knowledge that the whole thing is prescripted, and the whole arena is like that. These people are, are are cheering and booing and and in every way in terms of how they're acting emotionally. Then every way they're acting emotionally is if all recognition of reality is suspended and they're going to enjoy the show. And one gets the sense they wouldn't be able to enjoy the show unless they were capable of completely and deliberately suspending reality. And that's what professional living is. And it's big business. Professional wrestling is big business. And it's okay in that context because it's just entertainment. It's not so entertaining with this because unlike professional wrestling, this involves life and death and the complete restructuring of your society to turn our world into a zoo. And you and I are going to be residents in the primate section. That, that to me is a little bit more serious. I have to ask you, what you just said is so important because I had an interview with Dr. Lorraine Day a couple a week or two ago, and she said exactly the same thing. The cells are excreting the toxins, and this is what makes people sick. And the fact, this is why I ask you, how remote are you? And I know you live in the countryside, in the mountains, remote from everybody else. So how in the world do you and people that you know might have gotten this? And you're saying that you have 5G adjacent to where you are? No, no, no. There's an element of non-locality to this. We don't have 5G, or, or if we do, I'm not knowledgeable of it. To the best of my knowledge, no. We don't have 5G. It doesn't matter, okay? Uh, if, um, it's in the field, you you're a saying. Bowl of, if you have a bowl of soup, if you have a bowl of soup and you stick poison in one end of the bowl, trust me, that is going to find a way to transmit itself through the rest of the bowl, and you're going to have a poisonous bowl of soup. This thing is, as you know, there's 5G being in New York, Canada, obviously China. China, they did their big kickoff. So my point is that it's not necessary for this thing to be right over your head to be affecting your neurophysiology. It's, it isn't necessary. It's the so grid. It's, 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 the, it's the globe's grid is what you're saying. Right. It's affecting the entire, it's affecting the entire earth. And I, I you know, this is... I know a little bit about this because, uh, among other things, I happen to have an, an extra advanced ham radio license, and um, you have to take a series of tests to climb and get to the to that level. There's like six levels, and the highest one you have to take a complicated test, do Morse code at 20 words a minute, and and th when I took my test for the extra advanced license, and this is what I think is a scare. By the way, this is in the year 2000, 20 years ago. There was a whole section you had to pass about understanding the hazards of 
electromagnetic pollution. Let me stop for a moment so that can sink into your listenerships. I take a test in the year 2000, 20 years ago, and quite recently the FCC, which is the the, the agency that administers these tests, and they, they determine who gets to transmit what signals. The FCC had insisted quite recently that the extra advanced license to get an extra advanced ham radio license needed to be revised to include a section where 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 people who were being administrators that understood the hazards of electromagnetic pollution. So I had to study that, make sure that I could, because that's a big was a big part of that test. So you know, it, it's amazing that people don't understand what's involved here, and people don't understand what the hazards are of significantly altering this gentle equilibrium that allows the body to function on a day-to-day basis uh, in a state of, of health. I'm going to say this. Let's dissect it even more. I told the people, our listeners, weeks ago, before even the first case came to the United States, when this was happening in China. Allegedly, China knew about this for over a month before, and they just did not tell people. At any rate, the fact that this was really happening in February, I said, first of all, China for the new year, they send people from all over, all over the world, they go back to China to celebrate the Chinese new year. The manufacturing plants close. There's, there's nothing going on in, in China in February. Everybody's closed. So if he had to release this, whether it was on purpose or not, or the government wanted to, you know, take out all those protesters in, in Hong Kong, which all of a sudden stopped, right? But February was the perfect time because it would be the least financial impact for China. Then I said, if by mid-March, all those manufacturing plants, Apple and the rest of them, are all back producing, you will take it to the bank that this was orchestrated. That just is just my opinion. And oh, by the way, let me finish, uh, let me finish this. The, the fact that the United States stock market almost crashed. I mean, this is really, really low. China is full of cash. What a great way to buy all these shares, companies all over the world. And after this is over, if it's over, China will be coming out on top. Um, I understand your rationale. And from a strictly gross logical point of view, it makes perfectly good sense. There are other things, however, that enter into the mix. I have a, I have a friend here, quite influential. He's from China, you know. Mandarin is his first language, keeps good c- touch with the friends in, in China. Um, he is of the opinion that um, this whole thing was uh, basically uh, uh, designed and executed by Chaicom, and and it's it's an experiment gone awry. This thing has gone sideways. Um, he claim he claims that he's talked to some some pretty high level officials and they're saying this this is just this is not how we this is not how we planned it. So uh, this thing is by design, but they're they're you know I think that what's happening is is in the desire to and, and you know you know this for yourself. You know this. I'm sure you've known it for years. There's all kinds of documents out there. I'm not going to get too specific, but basically where you know there's a group of people in this world that basically want to rule the world and the rest of us are just useless eaters who need to be treated like the cockroaches that we are. Yeah. And we need to be huddled in small cities a la Agenda 21. And uh, basically uh, the utility of our labor used and just um, 
uh, eliminate any sense, any 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 memory of civil liberty. So these documents have been around there for years. A lot of people like to point to the Georgia Guidestones as kind of an icon of that thinking, if you will, kind of a truncated version of their philosophy. Um, you know, I was recently someone had brought to my attention and I put it on my blog about, you know, Prince Charles saying, if I were to ever die, I'd like to reincarnate as a virus so I could kill off humanity. It kind of reveals the thinking of the people that rule this world. Think about that. I, I mean, even think about how someone could say that. I, if I die, I'd like to come back and reincarnate as a virus and kill off humanity. You know, this is um, – these people mean business. And if they mean business and they're bold enough to put this in all of their documents that have surfaced over the years over and over and over again, you have to come to the conclusion that sooner or later they're going to act on their opinions. Well, guess what? They just did. Somebody sent me a report. I don't have it with me, but if I remember reading a few days ago, it had, well, first of all, a few weeks ago, before this came to the United States, I have a Uyghur, a Uyghur who lives in L.A. This is the ethnic group that's being exterminated or used for body parts in, in China, and they're in concentration camps right now as we speak. But he has family there, and he's in touch with me, and he said, Mel, don't listen to what they're saying. The amount of deaths, whether it's coronavirus or disappearances, political disappearances, the subversive, he said, is about 10 million. And I just couldn't believe it. I said that this sounds just, it's, it's impossible. But then you have all the, quote unquote, satellite pictures of the fires in different places, perhaps cremating bodies. And then now another report I saw was cell phone companies sharing how many cell phone customers they've lost in the past month or two. 18, I believe the number was 18 million and 850,000 landlines less. So is China hiding the number of deaths, whether it's coronavirus or not? We don't know, because China, the CCP is the most secretive government in the world. I didn't believe what I read, so I had to, con I had to contact my Chinese contact, because yesterday Breitbart put out an article saying that it is being reported there are 21 million People who, as of in, in December, were using their cell phones, and now the, none of those people are using their cell phones. There you now, go. That's it. 20, 21 million. So I kind of thought that really strikes me as excessive. So I I went ahead and got a hold of my contact. And I said, "Is this true?" He didn't even bother to to blink or anything. He just it's absolutely true. It's actually a lot higher than that. It's higher. It's a lot higher than twenty one million. And he had been telling me he was using this ten million figure in January. In January, he was giving me the 10 million figure. But when I asked him about the Breitbart article, I said, is this a crock? I mean, it, it, tell me this is a crock. So someone just made this up and they're just – their life isn't exciting and they just need to, to get a few more people excited. And there's just not enough fear porn in circulation right now. He says, no, Greg, it's real. So it's your real. contact says, and my contact both said in January or February, 10 million. Well, he told me in January. And when I gave – when I when – because I, 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 I immediately called him and I said – I'm questioning the credibility of this Breitbart article. I want to know, is this possible? Excuse me, 21 million? He says, no, it, it's actually higher than that. Those are just, he says, you've got a lot of poor people in, in China and they don't have cell phones. He says, no, the number of people that have died over this is way over 21 million. And you have to understand, too, that there are variables here. When people speak of 5G, they, they think of this as a kind of a homogenous phenomenon, like someone puts, like there's an on and off switch, like there are the, the lamps in your house. Either the lamp is on 
or the lamp is off. It's not true at all with 5G. You can change frequencies. You can alter frequencies. You can change the intensity. You, uh, you, you know, there, there are variables. And whatever they did in, in China, to me, to me, uh, reflecting on everything that for the last three months, my Chinese cocktails told me, there's no way there's, this is not deliberate. There may be elements that didn't go the way they'd planned. There may have been some surprises. But as far as what kicked this off and what has caused this, uh, he absolutely says this is being, he tell he says without blinking an eye, he says, can you possibly imagine, first of all, he, he makes the point that he says people like to say that the Jose Ping, Xi Ping, you know, is, is, is a Confucianist in that. My context says that's all nonsense. This is just, please understand, this is one man's opinion. Um, of course, he's from there, but this is one man's opinion. He claims, unless you can understand the mindset of the leaders of the Chinese party, he says, and they're not Confucianists, they're Maoists. Okay, a human life has no value. Right. The value of a human life is that which can be used to serve the state. A human becomes worthless when it fails to serve the full utility of the state. They're Maoists. So he says, if you think for one moment that the Chinese wouldn't use this as a medium to wipe out millions and millions of people that they don't like or they feel are a threat. And he says, and right now they feel threatened. There's, there's all this stuff going on because of the trade war with the U S because a lot of an internal changes. Uh, they just, lo- they lost half their pigs last year from this other virus, which may or not have been planned. And they've, they're losing most of the chickens. Well, I'm sorry. I'm here to tell you that if you take out the pigs and you take out the chickens, you've just wiped out the two major protein sources for 1.4 billion people. Kind of serious. And so you can't let the world thing. know. You can't let the world know that your country is starving. Sure. No one is talking about H1N1. No one is. To, we're only talking about our own species, I guess, because maybe the animals just don't matter. But this is what happened. And forget about 2020. What happened in 2019 to the animal populations in that country is just unbelievable. So here they're already in a very weakened position. They've got this nagging uh, trade war with Trump, which is why uh, now the Chinese Communist Party has now become another arm along with the American media of the, the Democrat Party because in their mind they think that's their best gamble going forward. But my, my point is that they you've got power-hungry people that are feeling power slip away from factors that may or may not have been somewhat under their control and now are feeling we need to, we need to thin the herd and at the very least eliminate those who could who, who could be opposed to our power structure? You've got a lot of people. And it's not just this. All of this, the, the demonstrations that have been going on in Hong Kong for the last year. Uh, there's a lot of people in China who question: Do we really need these people? They're just, they're 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 the they're unbelievable parasites. I mean, you've got a lot of quiet discontent in China. So to think that the Chinese government, run by Maoists, once again, human life has no value unless it serves the full utility of the state, would use this as a means to get rid of all dissidents. So, you know, like I say, when I, when I tell my contact, could this be possible? Is, 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 somebody, uh, is somebody at Breitbart on Coke? He says, no, put that out of your mind. This is real. It's actually a lot more than 21 million. Didn't even hesitate. And, you know, how many Americans consider that? 
You know, think about that. The, 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 the kind of the backstory that no one's really talking about. They're so concerned about their own welfare, which I understand. I mean, I, don't, I understand that. But understand we live in a world where everything is interconnected. And it's kind of in, in an inner world, in a, in a world where everything is interconnected, it's kind of, kind of, kind of to me, significant that the most populated nation in the world has decided that it's going to execute its own highly crafted and choreographed Holocaust to get rid of people that doesn't want something we haven't something that at this point is looking to be on par with Mao Tse Tung's cultural revolution of the 60s, where he just happened to off 60 million Chinese. That's what you're having right now. And Americans have lived with a certain level of stability so long, they hear that, they don't think it's possible. It's it's a black swan event. It's outside their realm of experience. We live in a civilized world. Nobody was just off, you know, go ahead and decide they're going to off 20 to 30 million of their own citizens. Well, yeah, it's happening. And I've been saying for a while, for a couple of years now, discussing the Sesame Credit or social score in China, that they have every face in a database. So if you have in Hong Kong or wherever in China, I'm sure this, these protests were happening all over the place, but Hong Kong being that is the most Western of all the quote-unquote provinces, we get access to that at, at a time. But if these people were out on the streets protesting, all they needed was the face recognition to know exactly where those swaths of people lived. Oh, that building has 80% of them? Burn the whole, whole building down. That street, let's just, you know, spray agent, whatever, nerve gas on the street and get rid of them and say, you know what? We had to do this for the benefit of the masses. These people died it's of the corona fuel. Yeah. It's worse than that. Uh, I went ahead and because I had seen these YouTubes of people, you saw these YouTubes, uh, officers come to the door, a woman answers, and this woman is kicking and screaming all the way down the hall. Like, okay. So I asked him, I said, Aren't, don't, you know, don't you feel your fellow Chinese or, you know, just kind of acting a little extreme. He says, no, Greg, you don't understand why they're kicking and screaming. I said, well, explain it to me. He said, what's going on in Hunan right now is we have this idea that you're at the hospital, you get sick, you die, and they take you to the crematorium. What the police are doing in Hunan right now, according to my sources, you get taken to the crematorium if they think you're sick. Alive? You get burned a lot. They, they go ahead and they, they go ahead and take you out of the crematorium while you're still alive. If you look at the way they treat animals there, and I'm not going to generalize, but I've seen the videos, and some people might say, well, it's okay that they eat dogs and cats. I mean, uh, the Indian people think that we're crazy that we eat cows, so it's all relative. But I see the way in which they, and I don't want to say too much because I know that my listeners are animal lovers, but if this is the way they treat animals, how are they treating the fellow humans? Well, you know, I'm an herbalist and a naturopath and botanist, garden gardener. I mean, I am all those things. Uh, and I think what's happened is is we have so far removed ourselves from nature that animals just don't matter anymore. To a great many in a great many places on this earth, animals don't matter. It's about us. They're here to serve us. They're here at our beck and call. We matter. They don't. And there, there's this kind of idea that animals are expendable. I mean, it's like right now. I've mentioned to several people about all these. I, I mentioned earlier in this interview, but starving, starving uh, street animals, cats and dogs. And I can tell to most people when I mention this to them, it's like, okay, well, that's interesting. What else is going on? It's, there's, there's no reflection like, oh, my God, are, are you kidding? That That's horrible. I mean, imagine the suffering that's going on. There's no reflection of that at all. 
I have seen within the course of my lifetime just this general overall diminishment of empathy, sympathy, compassion, all these basic human all these basic emotions we associate with with human development and moral development, those just things don't seem to matter anymore. And that's a reflection that's being reflected on how this whole thing is being treated worldwide. You know, I, I can tell you, look at I lost a very beloved animal last week. His name was Baxter. We have my wife and I have um, a rescue dog thing. We have like 15 dogs. Well, no, now it's 14. Baxter died of pneumonia, and he died very rapidly. Um, What happened is one one morning we got up, we we went to feed him, and he was vomiting blood. We immediately took him to the veterinarian. We lived so far away, it took you know 40 minutes to get to the veterinarian. He died before he could get there. Now, I'm going to propose, I don't know, you're going to have listeners who say, well, this guy's crazy, there wasn't a pathologist there, nobody plated his blood, blah, 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 blah. The veterinarian said, cause of death, pneumonia. This dog was a perfectly healthy dog. I think that my dog died last week as a result of 5G. I was going to ask you, I'm sorry, first of all, sorry for the loss, but they call it the novel coronavirus because it jumps supposedly jumps from animal to humans. But this is not the first time I've heard of somebody telling me that their pet has died with similar circumstances. They couldn't breathe, and this just all of a sudden dies. Could it be also that these the animals are receptive, as you are, of this technology that's going around the world now? I, I think people lose, somehow they just lose any idea of our relationship with the creatures we share space with. I mean, we belong to the same subclass mammalia. We're mammals. Okay, 28 classes. We're, we're the prominent, we're the prominent resident in one of them. But there's like 27 other classes of mammalia. We forget how close we are to, uh, you know, to, to structure the DNA, even anatomy of of the animals that are around us. So I absolutely believe. I, I think it'd be very arrogant to think, well, this is just affecting humans. All the plant and insect and amphibian and animal life, none of them are going to be affected by this. That's just foolishness, absolute foolishness. So, yes, this is, you know, I, I'm not a veterinarian, so perhaps I shouldn't speak too much on this in this issue. But just from, from my own knowledge of comparative anatomy between ourselves and other, uh, uh, other mammals, I, I can't see how this would affect us and not affect them as well in equal measure. And this is a question I'm getting from a lot of people, and it is a fair question. You know, I just shared with you the, the figures from the flu season 2018 to 2019, 600 and some thousand people died around the world, which dwarfs what we have right now. But they have a valid question. For example, one person says, why are nurses and doctors and ER so crowded then? Hysteria? Just wondering. I doubt these nurses I know are lying to me. And the same thing's happening in, in Italy, Spain, England. In some other places, they're saying, you know, the beds are crowded, the hospitals are crowded. But why didn't we see this with the flu if the deaths were proportionally much higher? Well, for several reasons. I think that people have been uh, – one of the things that, that we don't respect mind-body coordination. As you probably know, because I work with herbs from the Amazon, I live right next to the Amazon jungle – so I deal with a lot of cancer patients that want these herbs that are used here ethnobotanically to cure cancer and have been used to cure cancer by indigenous tribes of the Amazon for not 
decades or generations, but hundreds of, if not thousands of years. So I get these things all the time. And I can tell you that what I have seen in my 30 years as an herbalist is I never, uh, I, I'm, I always have to stop to appreciate the relationship between the, the mind-body connection. And, and uh, give me a little rope here to explain this so that, because I want to answer your question in a full sure, way. And I don't go ahead. Give a half answer. Um, we frequently tell people that that half the battle against cancer resides in the mind. Half of the battle is in the mind. I've had people that we worked with where I got guilt complex. I mean, it was like, do you do you really want to buy this from me? You know, they're they're in cachexia. You know, they already got the death rattle going on. I mean, there's no way this person's going to live. Okay, neither myself nor any other herbalist is going to save this person. They might as well make sure they've made out their will. They need to be in hospice care. You know, I've had people call me where I'm like, you know, what are you calling me for? You're you're too far gone. I don't say that, but that's what's going on in the back of my mind. And they say, no, no, I, I have faith in you. I have faith in you. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm going, all right, okay, fine. Uh, give me your MasterCard number. I take the order. I send them the herbs. And I get a phone call six weeks later. Thank you so much. Thank you for your guidance and answering my emails and blah, blah, blah. And uh, they're cancer-free. And I'm shaking my head and I'm saying, I have no idea how that's possible. I've had people, cases that are stage one that are so simple, it's like, this is like such a piece of cake. This is like stealing candy from a child. This is, And the person like, but I don't know. My relatives, they say this isn't going to work. I, I, I'm making a huge mistake not going through chemotherapy. There's constantly bedeviled by doubt and doubt and more doubt. And despite the fact that the cancer is not that big a deal, they die. I lose that person. That person dies within a month or two of the first phone call they make to me. Okay, what lesson can we learn from this? The lesson we can learn from this is we really, even today, as, as modern as we think we are, we don't appreciate the power of thought. We don't appreciate the power of hope and prayer and faith. We don't appreciate those things anymore because we've become so rooted in a, a materialistic narrative that none of the functions of the mind seem to matter anymore. It's only what happens outside of ourselves. What's happening on CNN is more important than what's going on inside your own mind. Now, how does that relate to your original question? And it's a legitimate question, by the way. Well, what are all these? Why is it? This isn't, this isn't being treated like the common flu. You had hospitals around the world that are filled to capacity. Because when you are bedeviled every day, Day after day, this is serious, this is serious, this is a pandemic, people are going to die, we've got to, I mean, I see it around me everywhere. What I smell everywhere I go, even here in Ecuador, is fear. If you, wanna, if, you wanted to, if you were to ask me, what's the one singular salient feature that I notice more than anything else? People are living in abject fear and terror. And if you don't think that that has a severe impact on the physiology, you're wrong. You know, they did these experiments. The, the Germans uh, did the, the Nazis did these experiments where they would have two prisoners. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember the specifics. Anyways, the one where they cut their wrist. I, I don't want to get into specifics, but basically they kill one of the prisoners and they convince the other prisoner that he's also going to be killed in the same way. And the guy dies and has a heart attack before they actually administer the torture or whatever. Now, how is that possible? It's possible to put the mind in such a state of terror that you kill yourself on the level of thought. And Nazi scientists proved that in the early 40s. So what I'm saying is, is that people right now are living in a state of fear and terror, and there is nothing about this that has a healing influence on the body. The effect is quite the opposite. 
Well, you know what they say. You meant you, what is it? You manifest the thoughts that you entertain. It's that experiment, not an experiment, that this is a, a, uh, a story of uh, somebody who worked at a restaurant and I believe he got locked out, locked in the, the freezer and they found him in the morning dead, but the freezer was malfunctioning all night about, you know, 50 degrees or whatever, but he was frozen. I guess in his mind, he thought I'm going to freeze to death. And for some reason, he manifested that. So I see all these people who are calling the hotlines, they're in fear, depression, drug overuse, not because of coronavirus, but because of what the media is telling us. This is very contagious. Just like happiness or a yawn is contagious, the fear is contagious. But the question is, this is happening in unison, worldwide. I see the news in Mexico because I have business there. I see what's happening in Ecuador and all other places around the world. It's almost as if the media is following a script from the elite. And I think this situation was a multi-pronged effort. And this is, again, I don't mean to get political here, but I think it was a coup d'etat against the United States to because we are the last bastion against a new world government. They wanted to kill the Achilles heel of the United States, which is the economy. They do not want a middle class. You can have a few on the top and the rest poor. But again, this is just me. I'm still optimistic that when comes— No, you're absolutely right. You're, you're, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have anything critical to say about what you just said. You're on the money. Look, I, I, you know, I have this blog that, that, where I'm keep, that I've been maintaining since February 2nd. You know, it's very, very it, – It's to me, it's funny. Maybe it's not funny to other people. George Carlin did his comedy routine for HBO years ago, of course, years before he died. And in this particular comedy routine, he was talking about viruses. He says, you people are – you know, basically, he was saying, stop being so stupid and gullible. Every time there's a virus out there, you got to wash your hands, spray this, spray that. You can't get a decent hamburger anymore because you cook, overcook the hell out of it. When you listen to the whole routine, it's actually – comical but <laughs> yeah. it's frighteningly familiar that this 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 george carlin comedy routine is frighteningly familiar to what's going on now he's basically saying you people you know you're stupid these people they, they they yell virus and all of a sudden you people crawl up into the fetal position and start crying you know and and viruses have been around you know in any given time in any given, I wonder if the average person knows this. You know, in the average given time, there are thousands of different viruses inside your body. There are eight major strains of herpes. If you're an American and you're walking down the street, you are a carrier of at least five out of those eight herpes viruses. Why don't you have genital herpes? Well, you just, in terms of the constitution of your particular immune, immunolo immunology, you just don't happen to manifest it. It's, it's something you're able to protect yourself against. What can we say about people who do get genital herpes? Well, they don't have a very good immunity, immune system to that particular strain of herpes. We don't realize and respect the fact that these bodies that we think our own are actually ecosystems that have countless, countless different organisms of bacteria and fungus and protozoa and viruses and yes even parasites and uh, some of them are helpful some of them are just along for the ride but the fact of the matter is is one of the things that's not helping this phenomenon is that the average person has very little to no understanding of uh, human anatomy or physiology so they can get they can be told anything and uh, and they'll believe it anything at all before we take a break let me just say this 
It's a question for you, but you'll give me the answer on the other side when we come back. Have we turned into a sterile world, at least in the United States? And I understand, especially these days, wash your hands and all that good stuff. But during normal times, do we do it too much? Because I remember as a child, when I was a, a little not about a baby, my mom, if my pacifier would fall from my mouth to the floor, she would just rub it against her clothes and put it back in my mouth. I had a cousin whose mom would boil the pacifier. Now, he's the one with all the allergies. I don't have any allergies. Now, fast forward decades later, how many allergies, peanut and this and that, could we turn, are we turning into such a sterile world? And the fact that, you know, people just wash their hands too much, they're not in the dirt for whatever reason. The microbiome, we get antibiotics, which kill our microbiome, the good bacteria too. Is this a factor to what's going on now? But when we come back, we're going to get deeper. As you know, folks, part two, I take my gloves off. And because I have to watch what I say during part one, because I, this segment I usually put a post on YouTube, and I don't want it to be shut down as sometimes happens. How can people learn more about your work, Greg? Well, um, I have a bio site. It has my, I have several different sites. The one that contains my bio and my, uh, my blog and my books and so forth is actually my name, gregcaton.com. And then the, uh, the website that we have for uh, the wide variety of different herbal remedies we have. We've got customers from around the world. We work with doctors around the world. And uh, that's for the people in the U.S. That's herbhealers.com. That's H-E-R-B-H-E-A-L-E-R-S.com. And then there's a there's a place there you can just click and you can email us if you've got a certain a medical issue and you want us to talk to you or you want us to talk to your physician and and share our input and our knowledge. Then then we do that. So we're kind of a we're also kind of an information clearinghouse for the very best techniques that are used in alternative medicine to. Uh, to approach various types of uh, medical conditions. I guarantee you folks that what you're listening to tonight, you're not hearing it anywhere else. This is Mel Famergas. You're listening to Veritas. My special guest from Ecuador is Greg Caton. See you in the member section. Thank you for listening to the first part of this important Veritas interview. To listen to the rest and all of our material, proceed to the member section or join the Veritas family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for Focus Life Force Energy, MMS, CBD Pure Hemp Oil, Divinia Water, Pure Organic Sulfur, flash drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas seasons, and other great products. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. Now, proceed to the members section or subscribe, to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Thank you for listening to Veritas. Because you don't want to believe. You want to know.